Whether you have a skin interest, a skin query, a skin trauma, or skin disease, I warmly welcome you to Heal Thy Skin, a podcast brought to you by Derm Health Co. I'm Marnie, dermal clinician, dermoscopist, and your podcast host. Skin is deeper than beauty, and our mission is to build the largest platform of specialized practitioners focused on skin health and skin empowerment. Join me each week where we go deep into the skin and beyond to hear stories and education from leading practitioners on a journey of skin health. You may have wondered how to choose the right practitioner when booking your appointment for laser, skin treatments, cosmetic tattoo, even plastic surgery or scarring or lymphedema. The market is flooded with services and practitioners all promising results. But in Australia, there's not many regulations to say who can do what. So are they even qualified and are they going to get you the results that they want? Welcome to the Heal Thy Skin podcast. My name is Marnie, your host, and today I'm going to do a little bit of a different episode. Um, I'm going to be going through a bit of a guide to keep your skin safe. So we're going to be going through how to ask the right questions and find a practitioner that will protect your skin and get you the results you want. So this episode is for you if you've tried many treatments without results, if you've experienced a traumatic experience during a past treatment, or you're just not sure who, how, or even where to find a practitioner that is going to get the results that you're after. I've heard countless times the difficulties people face when trying to find a practitioner to treat their skin concern and lots of people have expressed their stress and frustration trying to find someone that is qualified and experienced in their field. Some people have spent hundreds if not thousands of dollars on treatments only to feel that their money has been wasted because their practitioner overpromised and underdelivered. So I decided to record this episode for you today to give you some um, tips but also some questions to empower you on your skin health journey, help you face the world faster but find a practitioner that you can trust and is going to get the best results for you. Now why do I think that I'm qualified to do this episode? Well I am I am a passionate dermal clinician and I have a particular interest in scar revision, paramedical tattoo, the lymphatic system and skin cancer surgery. And I work with um, organisations such as the Australian Society of Dermal Clinicians. I work with Skin Smart Australia as a dermoscopist and I'm a clinical supervisor at Victoria University. I've also worked in many different laser clinics, skin clinics and worked interprofessionally with other allies health professional as well. So I'm really excited to share this guide with you because it really is my mission to empower you on your healing um, and provide skin health education that is non-biased. I deeply hope that this is going to give you more confidence going forward. So before we jump right into the show, I also wanted to let you know this is this episode is a also an ebook that is available to download from the Derm Health Co website. Um, so when you become a member um, with Derm Health Co, which is free membership 
for patients, people with niggling skin questions, um, friends and family members with um, people that may have got skin conditions or experienced a trauma with their skin. You can download this ebook, which has heaps of tips and tricks. It's got questions to ask, checklists, and also has uh, you know links to our directory as well. So jump on to www.dermhealth.co, and all you need to do is join as a Derm Health Coinsider, and this will be sent straight through to your email inbox. So let's get started. So number one, we're going to go through qualifications. First and foremost, there is a current trend of false titles and consumers, but also practitioners are confused between the difference between, say, a cosmetic and a plastic surgeon, a dermal clinician and a therapist, um, all different types of massage techniques, all those that offer rehabilitation services, so many different titles. Anyone can give themselves a fancy title, but are they actually qualified to be performing the treatments they are offering? There is a difference between qualifications and highly trained. Someone's highly trained. It's something that they're often trained actually on the job. But where did they study? Was it accredited training at a training organization or in-house within their clinic? Was it extensive or was it a short day course? Just for example, with the degree that I studied with dermal science, we did 52 weeks of laser alone. Now, there are lots and lots of therapists out there that do one to two day training and then they go out and operate a laser. And clearly, the experience and also the knowledge that the you know these two different types of training will have will vary incredibly. So the aesthetics industry in many states is highly unregulated. It's not uncommon to find a former accountant complete a five-day course in cosmetic tattoo. This is not a scare tactic. There are not phonies on every corner, but they are out there. So if you ask the right questions before you're going to your appointment, then you're going to ensure that you spot a phony before your appointment and not after it. So some things that you can ask them would be, where did you study? Uh, what qualifications do you hold? How long was your course? How long have you been doing this for? Keep in mind that sometimes people are going to stretch the truth a little bit. How to spot a doozy. Obviously, phony signs are multiple, uh, bad reviews, um, people calling them out on their qualifications. So check Google and social media. Uh, less obvious signs could be promotion of treatments without evidence or hard pushing of multi-level marketing products. Um, so someone may be speaking about a treatment but not really be able to explain how it works and you might get a sense that they know might not know exactly how the treatment is working either. So that would be how to spot a doozy. Um, some top tips would be many practices will actually list the details of their qualifications or background on their website and the about section. So you don't necessarily have to ask them if you don't feel direct about it. Um, but if you do, um, we do have a really easy peasy phone script that you can have a look at on the ebook that we're launching within this as well. So this is going to be a phone script that you can use when you call the clinic without feeling like you're interrogating them. Number two, membership. 
So safety in members. So look for trusted partners. There are associations for just about every single industry in Australia. Associations are organisations that represent the chosen industry and they often have policies and requirements that the member must adhere to. So these associations may also offer ongoing training or legal advice and business support to the member. And joining an association often requires members to actually provide evidence of their qualifications and that they're doing ongoing training and also things like certificates and um, first aid. Additionally, someone that pays a yearly fee for association memberships are more often than not, they're serious about their profession and views a membership and ongoing professional training and development as something that is an important investment. So how to know that you found a goodie, they'll often display their membership certificate proudly. So they'll have it on their social media, they'll have it on their walls. So have a look on their website or clinic um, for evidence of this membership. And also associations will also have a membership directory. So if you can find them on that directory, you can be certain their membership is legitimate. Um, But how to spot a doozy? Do they list associations that don't even seem to exist or haven't, don't have a working website? This would be a ding, 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 phony alert. So to find associations, either Google the industry um, as a whole or view the growing Derm Health Co directory by visiting www.dermhealth.co. And here we list associations and non-for-profits as well um, so that you can view a list of different associations that are around Australia for lots of different industries. Keep in mind, though, that... Um, There are some associations out there that aren't so much a governing body, they're more just a corporation uh, and they might offer more like marketing advice and things to their members. So anyone can pay for a membership, so I'd be looking for those associations that perhaps um, sound a little bit more legitimate. Um, And we'll go on to number three now, so consultations. This is putting your best foot forward and it really is an art form. So a Upon first visit, um, some may view a consultation as time-consuming and frustrating. And I know I've experienced that in the clinic before where someone has said to me, why is the consultation so long? I used to go up the road to such and such clinic and I didn't really even have to do a consultation. I just signed a form and we could do the treatment and I was on my merry way. Um, So... Once I explain the importance of consultations, they're often very, very thankful um, that you know I operate the way that I do. But on the flip side, if you've ever been to an appointment and not even given a basic consultation, then alarm bells obviously ring, or they should ring. And the depth of consultation will depend highly on the type of treatment, of course, that you're undergoing. So something that is less invasive isn't going to require so much of a consultation. Um, However, when you initially go to a a clinic or a therapist or a practitioner, um, the the questions that they ask is really going to determine your whole treatment program and your whole treatment outcome. So the more they know about you, the better they can tailor the treatments to your specific concerns. And a treatment that poses more risk in aftercare will require a more thorough consultation. So do not underestimate the importance of the consultation process. Someone that completes a complete medical and lifestyle history prior to your appointment is the therapist that you really want in your life. 
because behind the scenes they are conducting an analysis of all the things that may affect the outcome of your procedure, even things that you may think trivial, such as vitamins or social smoking habits. These can all have an impact on the outcome of your treatment. So enjoy the process. It's likely you will learn some valuable information along the way. And if your therapist isn't unveiling some important health aspects um, or asking questions about medications, walk away. So how to know if you found a goodie? Before even starting the treatment, they ask you to complete a consultation form and ask relevant questions about your um, the answers that you provide. And this would be super, super basic. Um, but another way would be perhaps that they list consultations on their website. Uh, they may even offer consultations you know, annually or some clinics will even do it quarterly as well. And this may be free or paid. And I wouldn't necessarily um, you know, choose a free over a paid. It just might be the different ways that they offer their business structure. And certainly someone that is charging for consultations is most likely going to be um, not necessarily more thorough, but they're putting you know value onto the experience and the knowledge that they provide to you. So just because someone's charging for a consultation, don't make it a necessarily a topic or a, a reason why you don't go to that clinic. Some ways to spot a doozy. They don't even offer you to fill out a form at your first appointment. They don't ask if you've got any health conditions or you're taking medications or you've got allergies. Get walking, get straight out of that door. Um, so when you go for a consultation, it's important that, of course, a therapist knows your lifestyle and medical conditions, but also you can ask questions um, to prevent any surprises down the track. And this is a bit of a checklist of questions that you can ask. Um, so you could, you know, of course, ask what's involved in the treatment. How long is the treatment going to take? What are the risks? It's really important that you know the risks. I mean, it might only be, you know, 5%, but you don't want to be in that 5%. And if you are, you really want to know what's going to happen before it happens. Uh, what will the treatment feel like? Um, what are the typical results of the treatment? So there may be, you know, textbook type photographs of before and afters that are marketed and photoshopped. But what are the typical results? What can just the average person expect from the treatment? Another really important question to ask is, will you need to make any lifestyle changes during the treatment? Um, and will there be ongoing treatments or cost involved? Is it a one-off? Is it something that they recommend that you have every four or six weeks? And after you've kind of treated that a, a, acute um, condition or that acute concern, what is the maintenance looking like for you as well? Okay, next one, consent. What are you really consenting to? Yes, no, I don't know. Consenting to a treatment is more than just saying yes. An informed consent requires that you understand all aspects of the treatment, including the treatment process, the risks and benefits of having the treatment, alternative options to having the treatment and understanding the aftercare instructions. It's actually known in the allied health professional that two to three alternative options are required to be given at the initial appointment. Consent can either be given verbally, written or implied. But if you feel confused about the treatment or uncomfortable with the downtime of the treatment, it's important to voice these concerns with your therapist. 
you should not feel rushed to undergo treatment and you have every right to go home and think about it and consider your alternative options before you even put a deposit down. Don't feel like you need to make a decision on the day. Even if you're on the treatment table and you change your mind, this is your right and a professional therapist will accommodate your decision process. So how to know that you found a goodie? Before even starting the treatment, they ask you to complete a consultation form, you know, ask relevant questions, and they're going to be providing you with both the benefits and risk to the treatment. They'll thoroughly cover home care and lifestyle advice, um, and they might even tell you some stats, some scary stats perhaps about some risks or some potential treatment outcomes. And this isn't necessarily to scare you, but this is just to inform you. How to spot a doozy? Well, if they don't ask you to fill out a form at your first appointment or have any, you know, ask if you've got any health conditions or list any risks or benefits to the treatment, then it's likely they're probably not going to be making sure that you are doing an informed consent. Um, also, if the clinic requests that you pay for a treatment package up front before they've even seen you for a consultation, and I know some clinics may do this for certain types of treatments, especially when it's packages, I would probably um, have a second look at who you're going to visit. Okay, next up, we're going to talk patch testing. You may not even have heard of that term before, but it can be the best practice that might just save your skin. So patch testing is essentially the little test. It's undergoing a small test of the treatment in often an inconspicuous area several days before undergoing the full treatment. So some examples of things that you may be test patch for would be things like laser, things like um, perhaps cosmetic tattoo, things such as uh, chemical peels or more invasive treatments if perhaps you're having scarring treatments and things like that. And while patch testing is not vital for all treatments that you're having, it is advised for you know the more invasive treatments or when the individual is at a high risk of adverse reactions. So this may be someone that has had past allergies or they're prone to keloid scarring or they have had that hyperpigmentation or pigment changes after treatments in the past. So if you're inquiring about such treatments that are a bit more invasive, ask the clinic if they conduct patch tests. And if they don't, ask yourself, do you really trust that the clinic has your safety at heart? And a skilled therapist that has conducted a thorough consultation will usually indicate if there is a requirement for patch testing. But as I mentioned before, it would be things, especially for laser or even intensive uh, chemical peels, scar therapy, and sometimes even cosmetic tattoo as well. And although it may seem unproductive to undergo a patch test, um, you know, go home and come back a few days later, they are actually an effective way to determine the correct strength and settings for your full treatment because sometimes you might not have a reaction for 12 or even up to 72 hours after a treatment. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be immediate. So leaving it in a few days is going to give you an indication of exactly how your skin responds. And doing it in a small area is often better than, say, doing it on, you know, your whole abdomen or on your face, for example, and then have an adverse reaction. Um, so usually if you're going to have an adverse reaction, 
then the patch test will indicate it. It doesn't always, but it offers you a little bit of extra protection. And if this occurs, if you do have an adverse reaction, then you're going to be thankful that it's occurred in a very small area. So how to know that you found a goodie? Um, well, it really depends on the treatment that you're having, but test patching would be or may be part of the clinic protocol. How to spot a doozy? Well, if the treatment is invasive or you've expressed your concern because you've had past allergies or past reactions and they don't even recommend or suggest a patch test, then it may be an indication that they just want to do the treatment on the day and essentially, um, you know, get their quota up for what, whatever their daily quota or um, targets are. Okay, so next up, we're going to start talking about aftercare. And the results really are in the follow-up. And this is for lots and lots of different types of treatments. So just remember that your results don't stop at the front door. And even, you know, when you walk out of the clinic, your treatment may continue um, being advanced or even detrimental or detrimented um, simply because you're not following aftercare. So do you know if the treatment you have will require you to make some lifestyle changes? Do you know what you should be using on your skin after the treatment? Do you know what you should not be using on your skin after the treatment? Has your therapist told you what to look for if something were to go wrong? Have they explained that, you know, if um, perhaps maybe you will experience redness immediately after the treatment, but if that treat or if that redness hasn't ceased within three days, should you be calling the clinic? How do you know if an infection occurs? Is Should it be itchy? Should you experience some discomfort, you know, even after some lymph treatments and things like that? Will you experience any cramping or will you experience... Um, you know, changes to your bowel movement and things like this. This is important information for you to know. And an incorrect aftercare program completely can alter the outcome of your treatment. So you should expect both verbal and sometimes even written aftercare because we all know that um, when we're in a treatment or when we're having a consultation, by the time we walk out that door, we've forgotten half of what they said. So sometimes it can be really handy just to have it written so you can pop it on your fridge or it can be something that you review each time that you come for your treatment. You should also be given an understanding of the recovery time following the treatment so that you can either organize your social events and your work schedule around this downtime because sometimes there will be downtime. Understanding your aftercare falls into consenting for the treatment. So if you don't know the details, how can you agree to having the treatment? So how to know if you found a goodie? So they'll often list uh, home care recommendations on their website. Uh, so sometimes even under the treatments, they might say things that you may experience or considerations or contraindications. Um, you may also be given a copy of relevant home care recommendations during a consultation. And how to spot a doozy? Well, what home care? There's been absolutely no conversation about what to do at home before or after your treatment. Walk away and find someone else. So some considerations um, would be, you know, things like medications. So ensuring that your therapist knows a list of all your supplements and medications, even some natural remedies can affect healing outcomes or even thin the blood. So do you need to cease taking supplements? Will any medications affect your treatment outcomes? Are any of your medications photosensitizing? And this is especially important during laser treatments. 
So some of the risks could include um, increased bruising uh, or even life-threatening conditions can result from medication usage during some treatments. So ensure that all of those are listed Another um, consideration would be sun exposure. So some treatments may mean that you are more sensitive to sun exposure or need to avoid sun exposure altogether, even prior to your treatment. And this might be up to four weeks before your treatment. And some of these risks would be scarring or even pigmentation changes that can occur if sun avoidance is not adhered to. Another consideration would be alcohol. So um, alcohol can cause you to bleed more than usual. So avoiding alcohol for 24 hours prior to procedures can avoid things like uh, excess bleeding or bruising. Another one is smoking. Smoking can significantly reduce your ability to heal um, due to the reduction of oxygen circulation. So if you're a smoker and undergoing, this is more for invasive surgery or invasive treatments where your body is going to be under a state of perhaps stress or wound healing, then it's highly recommended that you see smoking for two uh, weeks before and after procedures. And the risks to this would be things like delayed healing, infection, um, and even increased scarring can result if someone has continued smoking throughout the invasive procedures because it's just not giving your body the ability to heal. Another consideration would be clothing. And while it might seem obvious that if you're having a body treatment, you might not want to wear you know, uncomfortable clothes, um, what about um, clothes that may make you sweat more? So should you be wearing cottons? Should you be avoiding synthetics and things like this? Um, another consideration would be hygiene. So if you have essentially an open wound on your skin, if something is more invasive, what do you need to do? Do you need to change bandages? Is someone else going to change the bandages? Do you need to avoid water? Do you need to um, you know, clean it a certain amount of times a day? Should you be using disposable um, for example, you know, cotton pads, should you be um, using a different towel each day after a shower? All of these things can um, or are really important because they may prevent an infection if they're done correctly or if they're, if they're not. And if you don't have an understanding of this, then you could be causing an infection or bacteria overgrowth in that area that has been treated. Another consideration would be exercise. So while um, you know you may not think about um, exercising if you've had an extensive body treatment that you know may have made you really uncomfortable or you've now got pain, but exercising is going to increase our body temperature and some treatments increase temperature in our skin or in our body. So do you need to avoid exercise or um, it during your treatment or do you even need to increase your exercise? For example, when we do things like um, manual lymphatic drainage massage we may encourage you to go for a brisk walk around the the you know the block or or increase your exercise for the next few days or when we're doing lipolysis or fat freezing and things like that or body contouring then you may need to increase your exercise to help with the effectiveness of the treatment and finally, products. So although if someone's recommending you certain products, you may feel sold to, sometimes products either before um, or after treatments is going to mean that you get better results. But sometimes it can be a way of protecting and prepping your skin so that you don't have adverse reactions to it as well. 
Um, so this would be for more aesthetic type treatments. Okay, we're now going to go into hygiene. So you may have heard that cleanliness is next to godliness and hygiene can really be the difference between a smooth recovery and infection. So if the clinic is not sparkling clean, then what do you think the treatment equipment looks like? And some of this treatment equipment will be touching other people's skin. Some people may you know, have conditions on their skin or they may have bacteria on their skin or different bacteria on their skin. They might have infections. They might be, have open wounds. Um, they, you know, there's lots of different variations to the types of equipment that is being used on your skin. So imagine if you're seeing dust and grime and things just around the general clinic, then it's a little bit unlikely that the equipment is also going to be um, cleaned to a, or sanitized um, to a very um, you know high standard. So make sure both the cleaning and hygiene practices are up to scratch. So if you're going to be undergoing a treatment where there may be blood, is a therapist wearing protective equipment such as gloves, gown, and even possibly a mask? All sharps should be disposed of. And if equipment is being used in an autoclave, which is a machine that might use gas or high heat and this sterilizes um, things to be used on the skin, um, then do they have an autoclave? Um, other things that they're putting in that autoclave, can they be reused? So things like needles and things like that should be single use. And most um, clinics will do this, but it's more than just the needles. It's that can you see a sharps disposal bins? Do you see biohazard waste bags? So are they putting you know um, bloodied cotton and things like that in biohazard waste, or are they putting in general waste? Cross-contamination of bacteria and blood-borne diseases is significantly reduced if the therapist follows the correct guidelines. And these practices will become a habit to the educated therapist and are absolutely necessary to keep both you and the therapist safe. Um, so it's really important that this is a consideration. And it can be simple things like, are they walking around the clinic with gloves on touching everything? Are they changing their gloves? If something falls on the floor, do they use it? Um, and this is really more important um, for things where there's blood or bodily fluids involved. But it's also a consideration for all treatments. Is the, um, the toweling on the treatment table clean, for example, um, and, you know, there's lots of considerations. So you know that you found a goodie, if they're sparkling clean, um, you know, you notice that they are particularly um, careful when setting up their treatment table or if they drop something or you notice that they're changing gloves and things like that. And how to spot a doozy? Well, if you walk in and the place is already a shambles and you're having invasive treatment, then... I'd, I'd really highly recommend that you go elsewhere because um, it's it may be clear that this particular um, practitioner isn't really clued up to the importance of hygiene and um, preventing bloodborne diseases. So we'll go on to the next one now. And this is a little bit of a tough subject because it's asking, is it even legal? Um, so you're... 
in many parts of Australia, particularly the aesthetics industry, is very much unregulated. So this can mean that there are therapists out there performing treatments that are essentially outside their scope of practice. And when you're working with allied health professionals, they do have this critical thinking skills, but they also have, um, I guess, protocols to abide by. Otherwise, they may have their registration cancelled and things like that. And while it may be difficult to uncover who is offering services that are not adequately trained, it's important to be aware of the therapist's limitations. So all clinics require things like holding public liability insurance and personal indemnity insurance and um, and medical insurance and things like that. And this insurance is based upon the services that or the services rather that they offer. So, for example, when someone applies for um, for insurance, they will have to list exactly what they're offering and they will often have to supply evidence that they can perform these treatments back to their insurer. So the clinic treatment rooms will have certain requirements depending on the treatments that are offered. Um, and this may be outlined either in their insurance policies or even in their local council guidelines and the requirements may be different depending on the local council and state government laws. So to ensure that the clinic you visit is operating legally, you can ask about the tr- insurance cover if you feel like it. You could op- obtain a copy of the required guidelines for your local council. Just for example, I know in some councils in Victoria, if you're doing any treatments that deal with blood or bodily um, fluids, then you need to have a, a sink that has a foot or elbow operated tap. You can't be touching the tap. So are they doing, uh, are they operating in a legal way, but also are the treatments that they're offering offered in a legal way? And there was a tragic incident, uh, last year, um, in 2018, I believe in Sydney and a woman actually died because the untrained therapist injected filler into her breast for a breast augmentation and was unqualified and this woman actually um, died from the procedure it was a very illegal procedure but it was also performed by someone that had no idea what they were doing but not only how to they didn't really know how to perform the treatment they didn't know how to deal with the side effects or the adverse effects that can happen from a treatment and a question really to ask is when you're going through the consultation when you're talking about the risks of the treatment is that person for example if something goes wrong are they going to know how to deal with it and that would be a good indicator that are they working within their scope of practice Um, So another um, topic that we're going to go through is, will they say no? Um, So you might not like being told no to certain treatments, but sometimes a therapist may decline a treatment and the reasons are extensive. It may be that the treatment may not lead you to the results that you're after. Um, They may recommend a referral or second opinion may be needed. Your skin may not be prepared for the treatment. The risks of the treatment may outweigh the benefits or the conditional treatment may be outside of their scope of practice. Don't take it personally, unless they're downright nasty. A therapist that has the confidence and maturity to decline a treatment is more likely than not a professional that you can trust and they're not driven solely by sales targets. So sometimes people will come in and they'll say, I want this treatment, but they haven't 
even considered whether it's a treatment that is going to suit their particular concern, their budget, their lifestyle. So unfortunately, there are therapists out there that will perform treatments due to the pressure that they feel to meet their required targets. Um, but if you are declined a treatment, expect that a plausible explanation is given. And sometimes, you know, they'll even give you alternatives or suggestions for future treatments. And they might base this on your past medical history or perhaps the medications that you're having or if you're not willing to change certain things about your lifestyle. And this isn't necessarily a bad thing. This is really so that they can cover their butts. So if something goes wrong, um, you know, they're, they're not um, going outside of their scope and, and they're treating with a high level of care. Um, but also some things that to consider would be if you're having rejuvenation treatments and this is more for aesthetic type treatments but if you're having rejuvenation or certain types of laser not so much the low level laser but say high intensity laser and you're having this on your skin and you may be removing pigmentation uh, you may be removing redness on your skin um, the, the pigmentation or redness may be well, most likely be caused from uv or, or sun damage over the course of your lifetime and what we see more in sun damaged skin is actually skin cancer so are they requesting that you go get a mole map or a skin check from your gp or the local um, mole mapping clinic before you have a treatment because essentially sometimes you can't even see the these subtle signs of skin cancer especially if you're not trained in how to recognize them so sometimes um, you know a skin check or um, medical clearance may be required before they actually say yes. So initially they may say no, and then once you've been able to comply or, or change some things in your lifestyle, then that outcome may change. But it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, consider that someone that's a therapist that says no to and also um, you know, provides a plausible explanation really has your health and safety um, at the forefront of their mind. Now, we are coming to the last one now. So I have left this last because sometimes um, sometimes we can get a little bit carried away depending on how we feel about the person that we're seeing. So the last one that I've left is rapport. So some people are very good sales people. Some people are very good at marketing themselves. Some people have a very big social following, for example. Um, and rapport, of course, is really important, but it's not necessarily the most important thing when you're choosing a clinic, a practitioner, an allied health professional. Um, although it is important, you don't need to be friendly and buddying up and, and you know love the person that is actually performing the treatment, although that's a bonus. Um, all these things that we've spoken about prior to are really the keys to keeping your skin safe. So um, it is important, um, but it's not, um, it's not the least important, it's not the most important. So do you like your practitioner? Um, do you have rapport with them? Do they make you feel welcome and safe? Do they treat you with a high level of respect and professionalism? If you 
dislike your therapist as a person and don't enjoy their presence while having a treatment, you're probably going to be less likely to trust them and follow their recommendations. So it's not to say that they're not necessarily good at what they do, but you're just not going to want to follow what they say. So you don't have to get along with them like they're your oldest friend, but you are more likely to continue your treatments if you also like your therapist or practitioner that you're going to see. So a therapist or practitioner that endeavors to build rapport with you is more likely to be passionate about their career and they're more often accommodating to your needs throughout the course of your treatments. So again, while it's not the most important, it's definitely important that you kind of, you know, feel comfortable in the, um, you know, in their presence as well. So that is it. That is the 10 steps to keeping your skin safe. So um, there's lots and lots of information in there. So I really hope that you will kind of have a little bit more of a consideration. The next treatments that you go to, uh, are these therapists or practitioners, are they compliant? Um, Are they qualified? Are they acting within their scope of practice? Are they, um, you know, doing ongoing training? Ongoing training is really important because there's new research coming out all the time. Will they refer to you if you if something is needed for further investigation or for, if they feel that the treatment that they um, are performing is not right for you? Will they actually refer to a specialist? Um, are they explaining the treatment in depth? Are they including the risks and benefits? Uh, do you do they provide you with detailed aftercare? So it's really important that all of these are covered. Now, I know there's lots and lots of information in there. So what I'd highly recommend you do is jumping on to www.dermhealth.co and just downloading the ebook because it's going to have a list of checklists. It's going to have a list of questions, things that you can ask on the phone um, and other resources that you can go to as well. So go to www.dermhealth.co, become a DHC Insider and that is a free membership and this will just be sent to your email as well. So I absolutely love doing this episode. It's something that's really close to my heart. And, um, you know, I, as I mentioned at the very beginning, I've just heard countless times the difficulties people face when trying to find a practitioner because lots of people have expressed their concerns, you know, that they may have had bad experiences and, I really just want to really empower you so that you know the questions to ask because just because someone has a sign on their door saying that they can actually do a treatment doesn't mean that they're going to be doing it to the highest standard and working within their scope of practice. So I loved having you today. Thank you for listening and I will see you in the next episode of the Heal Thy Skin podcast. Bye for now. feeling disempowered or confused about your skin you can now join the derm health co insider community to learn about your skin connect with others in the community and find specialized practitioners to feel empowered on your skin health journey so you can face the world faster whether you are experiencing a long-standing skin condition recent disease injury trauma or niggling skin question there is a place for you at derm health co and the best part is that as a derm health co insider your membership is absolutely free so jump online at dermhealth.co and join today i look forward to seeing you on the inside